Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Really, the reason why I'm so happy and pleased with myself is because I had mimosas at lunch today. Oh, <laughs> now it becomes clear. <laughs> a mimosa? We got Just dr- one? We got drunk well, Bonnie. Not drunk Bonnie. I mean, I did drive home. Tipsy so Bonnie. One. Tipsy but Bonnie. We ordered a pitcher for the table. Ah. Uh, yeah, did anybody else all. have any? Yeah, yeah. Kaylee had three. Nice. And but this place was actually really good. If next time we we've like all get together, we should go there for brunch. We should because cool place. Their mimosas are really. I mean, it's the first time I think I've ever had a mimosa. It wasn't champagne. It was white wine. It almost tasted like Moscato or Riesling wine. Mm. What? (laughs) It wasn't dry enough to be champagne. And it wasn't fuzzy. It wasn't bubbly. It's supposed to be fuzzy. Oh. What yeah. the hell was this drink? Off. It wasn't really a mimosa. I don't know. It tasted yeah. good. That's more like a spritzer. If you're going to get, if you're going to pick nits. <laughs> <laughs> well, it went really good with my poached egg and salmon, okay? <laughs> oh my God, you're fancy today. I had poached I eggs. So I had fancy. a poached egg with salmon on the side. <laughs> With some toast, some toast, toast tips, some toast points, <laughs> and avocado. Yeah, that's Dylan. Oh, yeah, now you're basic. That place is awesome. And if there's a bunch of people, they have, like, the seating outside. Yeah, they do. They have those baked, like, picnic tables. Yep. It's really I a cool place. Hopscotch. Yeah, I wouldn't wear, like, short shorts because they look like they've been a little weathered. But, you know, you don't want splinters oh. in the back of your thighs because that's never a good day depends on what you're doing on those benches Vonnie it's still not a good day with splinters in your thighs (laughs) you know taking out a contest that could be a context that could be really hilarious (laughs) it's a bad day when you gotta pick splinters out of your thighs damn (laughs) why the world was glad when they moved on from wooden dildos to plastic oh I know know, right I can't imagine the nasty you would have to pick out of your hoo-hoo speaking of dildos I can't wait to see where this goes (laughs) did you ever buy an appliance of some sort and it's very smooth right you can't figure out how to charge it. I'm going to have to look up a video on how to charge Tracy's dog because I can't figure it out. Didn't well, you get a usually, cord? There's a cord, it, but it, there's no spot for anything to go it into like, it. There's, not, it like water there's nothing that opens. There's no, no little Dude, cord I, under- holes, I understand because I have something similar. See? Is, it's, it's waterproof, right? It is. Okay, so like if you look like right above like the controls. I look. Like, where There's nothing. Is, it's going to be a dimple. There's it's no not dimple, be a dude. I have another one that has that. <laughs> I'm telling you. there's no dimple No anywhere? dimple. I got to get. You looked all over. I no have dimple. looked all over. I'm gonna Does have it go to... inside the start button? 
Because usually, it's I all bet fun you there's games. a dimple. Somewhere. That's going to be a super fun video to look up. You know, pouring yourself a little wine, turning the music down low. Like, go to grab Tracy's dog, and can't you're like, make it work. Damn it. <laughs> this is the oh. first time you've needed to charge it. That's impressive. Well, yeah. I am old. Charge. I have another appliance that gets. He's just like, well, yes, you use. are old, and also the charge lasts for a long. It time. It does. Those things are are. They've got some good technology behind them. I only have to charge mine like every three months or so, depending on how many quote unquote romances I've read that month. <laughs> Put out the middleman and make like an e-reader that also doubles. <gasps> hey, there that's you an go, Key. <laughs> That's an entrepreneurial <laughs> idea. So for romance lovers, it plays what two parts. Look at ebook that would be. <laughs> what what you do is you need to make it flexible, so that you're reading, and then you can just fold it up and clip it, and you're all ready to go. No, you just need a start button on the juicy parts. Yeah. Of course, that would make reading romance novels at work a little difficult. Well, not if you got a remote. Bonnie, what's that buzzing over there? I'm just shaving my sweater. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what you need is a set of earbuds to plug into your audiobook, okay? Only it's got a third cord that comes out of it that, <laughs> that goes to your pants. And once again, we're tied up in cords. <laughs> I think, didn't they have like necklaces and bracelets like that? <laughs> I think I remember that from the 70s. We totally <laughs> we totally need a three-book girl still, though, by now. We talk about them so much. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know that I... Decal would come off in the wash uh, in other yeah. places. In other places. Yeah, I can see us in the ER. What about The nurse is pulling girl. something out of there and go, is this a three? <laughs> Why are you having three in your hoo-hoo? How about just some edible underwear? Where they say three book girls. Yeah. You can stamp it on with the edible stamps. It's all good. Sure. Why not? Some food color stamp. Who's going to see it? That's terrible advertising. True. Our stalker. <laughs> Our 40 to 60 year old men. <laughs> hey, 40 to 70 year old. Arthur oh, sorry. Needs to be included. Sorry, Arthur. <laughs> of course, he might not mind being left out of that conversation. <laughs> He's probably blushing clear to the edge of his beard right now. <laughs> Sorry, Not Arthur. Not to mention those edible panties that get caught in his white beard and really show. His wife is like, um, so where did you get this idea? <laughs> we don't want to break up any marriages, okay? Oh, crap. It's getting hot in here now. And we still have Scott. Remember Scott? We still have Scott. Yeah, we still have Scott. He listens still. Yep. You know how long I could have gone without knowing about whale penises, by the way, Vonnie? Like, oh, thanks a lot for that. You're welcome. I thought I'm that really it was sad because I thought the Loch Ness Monster was real. And now Vonnie's telling me it's just a whale penis. Yep. That are all these pictures. I'm super mm -hmm. bummed. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean also looked at these pictures and now I'm creeped out by whales. Um, holy it could crap. have been a whale penis that he just nicknamed Nessie. True. Like, Come over here and check out my Nessie. <laughs> it's already charged up and ready to go for you. No charging port needed. I said, wait, did someone have a detached whale penis? Because there aren't whales, Loch Ness. No, there aren't. Fine. There was a picture comparing the whale penis to the 
silhouette ah. of Nessie because oh, okay. they're like, oh, it could be. I think you're right, Pat. There are no known whales <laughs> in the Loch Ness. Okay, good. But the whale penis or maybe does look it was an awful lot that. like it. When I, when I first looked at the picture, I thought somebody had like put something underneath the water and like glued this weird pink thing on. <laughs> no, what the fuck it was? <laughs> What? I have not fact-checked that yet. I don't know so. why there's not a book about that, honestly. I mean, we got this dino porn. Where's all the whale porn? I mean, they're getting it on, baby. Or the Loch Ness monster porn. <laughs> oh, Keith is up Loch- on that. She's She's got some dinosaur porn. Yeah, I was going to say, I think there's Loch Ness porn, probably. Is there? I really have not seen whale porn, though. Somebody needs to get on that. We can make the first three book girls whale porn. We did discuss, you know, doing uh, the what was the project that we were going to do? Oh, yeah. We were going to do every urban myth from the 50 states. Yeah. In in a short romance form. (laughs) Yeah. But then we found out that most of them have already been done. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Now, I suppose there's no original ideas anymore. It's sad. Yeah. You know, people really are going to think that we're completely obsessed with sex, the way we talk about everything. And we're really not. No, we, we just like no, a good really. laugh. Oh, I'm a good laugh. For, sorry, I'm speaking for myself again, <laughs> ladies. Some of you might be completely obsessed with sex. Ah, uh, oh, Keith's turning uh, red. She's like, <laughs> do you know what I obsessed. read over here? We have we have a, a new level of blushes. It's Keith blushes. Woo! That I was is totally a... bummed. I didn't have any Megan blush reads. What this week? Obviously, I'm not reading the right stuff lately. I did not have any Megan blush reads this week either. So and that... obviously, Vonnie didn't because her people, even if they had sex, they'd probably die in the act because that's how those go. <laughs> because. Because my books are just that. There would be syphilis involved if it was Bonnie's books. <laughs> I can't tell Let's you not how... make me the syphilis queen now. <laughs> hey, the only time they talked about it was in the olden days. So you have to be the That's syphilis. That's not true. You never hear of anybody getting syphilis these days. No, but you hear about them getting the clap or something else. Well, yeah. I'm sure the... people still get syphilis. It's just treatable now. Yeah, so it's also true. Not a lot of people bragging about their syphilis. Okay, exactly. don't we don't we have a Patreon member who's a nurse? It's not something that shows up on social media. Hey, I was guys, afraid you were what? outing her for syphilis <laughs> no, or something. I was I like, hey. she would know the answer to that question. We need to know it. You could probably Google what's what's the amount of syphilis. Speaking of Patreon, probably not a lot here. Speaking of Patreon, you can be a part of this big family of ours. You can give us advice on whether syphilis still exists in the wild. We're interested. We want to know these things. So be a part of our tribe. Join Patreon and get the special episodes. Get the early release, possibly. We're talking about that episodes patreon one early release early release future episodes yeah future episodes early yes so anyway if you would like to be a patreon member it is very easy to join just go to patreon.com and search for three book girls you can help us fund this big old mess that we call steel trap productions by the way we're official now we're now did you say that a a little more snobby we're official now (laughs) we have our own company bite my rich royal ass no (laughs) 
Where's my crown, damn it? <laughs> Sorry. The only crown we have are from Burger King right now. We need to, we have too many expenses, but we would really love to have you join us and help us along with our journey. Go to patreon.com and help us out. All right, that's the pitch. Now what? There are fewer than 200,000 cases of syphilis in the United States each year. Oh, so somebody Googled that shit. Awesome. And is that like trending down or? Yes. In the United States, it's now rare. See, but I that's told not ya. true of other countries. Oh, all right. I was having me looking up the weirdest shit. Now I'm like off in some rabbit hole, looking up the most common STDs. Next time I pull up Let Facebook, me guess. it's going to have cream. I would say the top STD in the U.S. right now is, drum roll please, chlamydia. Mm. No, it's HPV. <gasps> wow. Mm. Yeah. I'm surprised. By a lot. Yeah. But there's a vaccine Because most people who have it don't have any symptoms, so they don't know that they have it, so they don't get it fixed. Yeah. And they pass it on. Yeah. Anyway, nice. uh, moving right along from STDs. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> to my book. Got any Thanks. syphilis over there? Thanks. What do you got? Well, there is some pandemics, but that comes in, uh, in a few minutes in my review, not at the beginning. Okay. Uh, it's not all about that. Okay, so I read To Paradise by Hania Yanagahara. And this is an author I've read before, and I really love his writing style, which is the only reason that I liked this book. So let me tell you a little about it, but, and you can see how very different this is from my usual style of books. The book starts out in 1893 America, except it's not an America like what we know. America is essentially divided into like three different countries. So you have the free states. I think it's like New York, uh, New Jersey, Massachusetts, a lot of the New England states, but not Maine, which is really weird. Maine is part of a down to the country that's called the United Colonies of America or something like that. In the free states, uh, same-sex marriage is legal and not only legal, it's very commonplace you're allowed to practice whatever religion you want. And this kind of amazed me because um, people of color are free, but not considered citizens. What? So they, they cannot vote or anything like that. Nice. They're free, they, they don't have to like, you know, they're not enslaved to another family, but they're still not considered regular citizens, which it that was kind of strange, but it's better than the other countries where you're not allowed to practice any religion that you choose. Um, Same-sex marriages are off limits and it's just, it's a very strict government on everything. Are are, um, black and brown people able to vote and have rights in the other states? No, they have no rights and they're enslaved to other families. Oh, so a lot of a lot of the um, people from the colonies, which is a different country, they want to escape to the free states because you can be freer or go through the free states trying to get to Canada. From what it sounds like, Hawaii is its own country. And I think like there's another country 
for the Western states, but it doesn't really go into a lot of oh, detail. Okay. That I really, this is one that I really need a map for because I didn't understand. Megan, she needs a the map. Breakup. I know. Maps are the best. <laughs> they are. And that's another reason why I should not like this book. It's an alternate reality. <laughs> it didn't really explain a lot of the setup of the country. So when you go into this, you're like mid story. And this book is broken up into three different stories, I should say, right away. This is the first story. So this is 1893. Arranged marriages are very much a thing. A lot of the higher up families in society have arranged marriages. And the main character in this, his name is, I believe, David in the first story. And he lives in Manhattan, I believe, or New York City. And he's a little bit older almost a spinster and they arrange a marriage for him with this gentleman named Charlie, who is another high society gentleman who I believe he's a widower because he is, a, he is older than David and David likes him. Okay. He's all right. He's not real thrilled about the marriage, but they get along really well. And, and Charlie has to go away for some family business. And then David meets this other guy at his school. And I don't remember his name, but instantly likes him, is attracted to him, instantly likes him, starts a relationship with him that he cannot tell his family about because he's already arranged to be married to this other person. So it's kind of a secret relationship. Your yeah. book is like 791 pages. Yeah, it was it's 29 probably a lot of hours. plot. <laughs> but nine hours. 29 <laughs> hours. But it stops right in the middle. And I don't know what happens to him. And it goes to story two. And they never get back to it? No. So you don't know what happens. Well, that's garbage. No. <laughs> so I'm like, Why I don't so know bad? what happened. And, and this so happens three this times in this book, right? <gasps> yes. Yes. This, oh, wow. They do the same thing with three different stories. They don't finish. Uh-huh. So then the second story starts, and it's in Hawaii. And Hawaii has succeeded and became part of the colonies of the United States, I'm guessing. I can't remember what time period this is. I want to say it's like, 1970s or so it's about a lady and her son who are kind of high society um they used to be part of the royal family when hawaii was its own country but of course since it's not its own country they're just regular folks now and her son meets this other boy at school and they become instant friends um his the friend's family is more on the poor side and i believe that his mom is a dancer and his dad is absent I, i'm not sure what happens to his dad and so that's kind of where that story is people look down at the poor family especially since the mom's a dancer and it's just kind of about these two friends relationship and how they grew up and everything um same thing with the first one it ends kind of like in the middle of the story. But the one thing that 
they have in common is that the ancestry is the same people. So like some of the people from the first story, like this is their descendants. Oh, I was that just going to ask how the this second all story. gets tied together. Right. Because <clears throat> the, the boys, of course, by the end of story two, they've grown up, they have children, yada, yada, so on and so forth. So then you go into the future to 2090. Damn, and, this is a wide range for you, girl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I had a hard time trying to let go of the other story when the new one started. <laughs> and I think the third story, even though it's in the future and very much not like me, I think this was my favorite one because the girl who's the main character in it named Charlie, I really liked her character. In this time period, 2094, the world is plagued with pandemics. They've not had just one or two pandemics. They've had several pandemics. About every seven to 10 years, a new pandemic comes along and kills a whole bunch of people. Like it's killed so many people that the population is at a catastrophic downfall. And people get incentives to have babies, to get yeah. married and have babies. So they want people to get together and do the shenane under the sheets. <laughs> they need some of my books now. But the main story in this is a girl named Charlie. And Charlie has suffered from one of these pandemics. And one of the medicines they gave her when she was a child and sick has altered her thinking and almost made her autistic. Her character actually reminds me a lot of the Molly from The Maid, if anyone's read that. So she doesn't know how to read people very well. Like she's not very good with interactions with people. She's smart, but um, her socialization abilities have been, have been greatly altered because of this drug that they gave her. And her grandfather, whose name is Charlie and who has raised her, um, arranges a marriage for her before he passes away. And he doesn't pass away in a normal way. You have to read it in the book because that's a whole nother thing. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that they do when you go in for an arranged marriage is they pair people who are sterile with mm -hmm. other people who are sterile. Because you don't want to waste that. Exactly. Well, that's exactly why they do it. So your reproductive health is a matter of public record, basically. We're getting very Margaret Atwood we vibes are. now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's very much a, um, what do they call it when you go into martial law? It's very much a martial law state. There's- um, Authoritarian, yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, they have like um, curfews. Um, it's illegal to own- books no! there's there's no internet it's illegal to get on the internet to get on online it's not illegal to be homosexual but it's frowned upon and you basically have to go to special houses to be with people of your own 
who also damn like sexual preference. This, right with the same sexual preference I, I didn't know how to word that i was kind of like and it's not really like a brothel or anything like it it's just a place where you can you can hang out with people who are like you who have the same sexual preference well if they can't do. give you babies then what use are they really Ugh. Uh, well that i mean that's the government's right feeling of it the people who are sterile and the people who are um, same-sex orientated they're not doing the population any good so and charlie gets mixed up with some rebels and stuff that the state wouldn't agree with and it just kind of goes from there i don't want to give too much away of the plot this author's writing is so intense that when you read her novels you lose time seriously i was sitting there working listening to the novel and i looked up and it was 10 minutes past the time that i should have gone to lunch and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> it's like it's one of those books that you quit reading and like everything around you is like a dream you're like what where am i right now i'm walking to my car in a daze to drive down the street because well, that's because it's book. it's disconnected you from your reality. That happens to me yeah. all the time because I read that kind of stuff all the time. I know, but how awesome of a it's author awesome. does it have to be for the writing to be able to do that to me? Because it doesn't happen very often yeah, to me. It's pretty awesome. There's only been a few other authors that have that effect on me where I get done reading their book and I'm just like, I, I just don't even, I can't. I don't, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> Are you hung over from the book? <laughs> so hung over from the book. I've listened to music for the last two days because Ooh. I can't even start another book right now. I have to give myself a day or two. It was awesome. And you said that this has been buzzy and yes, it's in very, our tribe. Very buzzy. Yes. And this is one that I would agree with. I don't always agree with the tribe on books because I'm particular. This one is so good. Even though I don't know what the fuck happened to Charlie and David. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to give it a bad review because it didn't finish. Oh, no. This author, I, I wouldn't have read 29 hours if I didn't <laughs> like how it, went, how it went. But uh, this this author just has, he she just has a gift. I, I, I don't know. There's another one of her books in the library and I have that checked out to read too. So I will be dazing. If you see me on the road, maybe steer clear because I don't know if I'm <laughs> going to know where I'm at. That again was called To Paradise by Hanye Hanagira. You know what I've never seen before? What? That book, that specific book has its own Instagram page. Really? Like its own Instagram account. It's the same with um a little life. I was like, I've never seen that before. That's a that's a big book. It has a little, like more followers than a little life had the same effect on me. I remember I just, that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just there's so few books that have such profound where you just don't you can't even put it in words how this book makes you feel because the main character in A Little Life, if you ever read it, you are going to empathize with this guy so much. And you want to shake him sometimes and hug him other times. And other times you just want to take a pillow and just scream or cry or something because it's just so emotionally charged. 
All right, Bonnie. Okay, take a breath. It's okay. <laughs> Bring her down. Oh. I need some more quote unquote coffee. <laughs> this is why I need coffee in the world. I think you need a Bloody Mary or whatever the hell that was. Let's put a little light back into the world here with, I'm assuming, a book from Keith. Are you bringing light into the world? Dude, one of these days, I swear, I'm going to be like, okay, so I read about all the dogs in the world dying at once. Like, <laughs> something really awful. Yeah, that is <laughs> what he's already like, no. That would pretty much terrible. get us banned from all podcast formats. <laughs> Animals in my book die. I'm oh. so sad about it. Okay, the book I read isn't sad. <laughs> so I read this week, uh, Rosalind Palmer takes the cake. And one of my favorite things in life is the Great British Baking Show. I love that show so Me much. Too. And this book is so closely mirrored to the show. It's really obvious that it is that particular baking show, which I just love. I sound like Megan, but I'm going to fangirl over the Great British Baking Show. Well, you'll, you'll get joined by me and probably Pat and oh, Bonnie, yeah. Bonnie watches <laughs> it too. So and half the tribe watches it. So you're you're right with yeah, us. Yeah, that's true. I'm thinking about starting my Netflix account again specifically so for British Bake Off because I, I, I haven't watched the new season. Oh, the new season's good. Yeah, see, you have to watch that. And this book is by Alexis Hall. And in this book, obviously, Rosalind is competing on the show is called Bake Expectations, which is just adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, and I mean, it's very much like it. They they all can go home. Occasionally they have to stay for a weekend or whatever because they're in seclusion, but they bake, they film, they go home, they come back the next week kind of thing. And Rosalind, ha she's young. She's in her late 20s and she was all set to be a doctor. She was going to school for to be a doctor. Her parents are both doctors. And then she got pregnant when she was 19. So she has an eight-year-old at home and her name is Emily. And she is so funny. She is very much like an eight-year-old should be, which is one of the things I love about this book. When people are at the Great British Baking Show and they call home, the, the producers try to get her to call home and have these meaningful conversations with her eight-year-old. Like, like, oh, no. mommy, I missed you. And she gets on the phone and she's like, mom, did you know that the creatures in the bottom of the sea have 18 antenna? And the, <laughs> she just goes <laughs> off and her mom's like, okay, yeah, hi, it's me. I haven't seen you this weekend. She's like, yes, but mommy. Like, <laughs> so the characters in this book are amazing. Uh, Rosalind is a bisexual single mom. She hasn't been in school for a long time. She, she loves to bake obviously. And she works just like in a retail job. Um, and her parents have been disappointed forever because she didn't go back to med school. Um, they think she's wasting her opportunities that she has, and they are very, very well off. They live in, I think what is described as practically a castle. And this book takes place in the UK, by the way. We, um, we got the clue when you said mummy. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of figured. <laughs> Did you also get that I listened to the audiobook? Yes. Oh my gosh. So funny. So everything kind of goes as you would expect for a baking show. 
Um, some of the people in the tent get really chummy really quickly. And then, you know, there's one person who's kind of the bad guy, which doesn't happen a whole lot in the Great British Baking Show anymore. But I do remember that there used to be. Yeah, that first season, there was kind of that. Yeah. I remember that. One of the big things about this book is that they take the show and they show you exactly how scripted it is and and what parts are organic. Um, I forget exactly what they've labeled Rosalind as. I think she's the she's the single mom that looks good in an apron. <laughs> and that's that's her <laughs> whole thing on the show. They're like, oh, she's really attractive. So we got to keep her on for a while. And uh, Rosalind's biggest issue is that people look at her and hear about her sexual orientation and make assumptions about her, which she hates. Um, a lot of assumptions are things like she's easy because she's a bisexual somehow. So that makes her more promiscuous than a, another woman. The fact that she's a single mom doesn't help. I mean, obviously that means that she was loose in her younger years. She comes from a very small house and she doesn't really talk about her parents making a lot of money. So people kind of look down on her for that. She doesn't have much of a job. So she meets people and it's really interesting because she makes the same really terrible assumptions about her co-contestants. So there's this big, huge guy who's really attractive and he's an electrician. And the first day he calls her love and she has to say, okay, hi, that's really demeaning. And I don't want you to call me that. If I was a man, you wouldn't call me that. And he is honestly really confused. He was trying to say a night, do a nice thing. And he's never really thought about that before. So he stops and he acknowledges that he's made a mistake. But from here on in, she's like, okay, big oaf, electrician, not very smart uses, you know, sexual innuendos to call people nicknames. And her opinion doesn't change for a long time. And in the reverse, there's this guy who is kind of like an asshole, but he's got this really great job and he seems really nice to, he seems like the kind of guy her parents would really like. Mm. So of course she starts up a relationship with him and the whole time you're just screaming, oh my God, he's such a, Total. Thank you. I was trying to think of the best way. Like twat waffle came to mind a lot for me. I if, if it was the British Bacon Show, they would call him a cunt. Yeah, they always call people that. They call oh, guys yeah. that, which is kind of funny. Oh, and it would be completely correct. So this is a romance, but it's really not heavy into romance. It, it's more of this journey that she goes on, meeting all these contestants, finding out that they're totally different than what she thought, coming to terms with whether she's happy where she's at. Because she's on a baking show, and I would think that would be amazing, and people would be like, whoa, you're on the baking show. And her parents are kind of like, you're on this stupid little baking thing on TV, and that's ridiculous. Uh, so she has to come to terms with the fact that people aren't cool about that. And it is a really good book. It, it, it tackles so many difficult topics, but in a funny way, 
but also a serious way. And it's got the Great British Baking Show in it, which is just the best thing ever. So do they do like parodies of Paul Hollywood and Prue and... Oh, the two... The two judges are definitely Mary Berry and uh, Paul Hollywood. Uh, God and damn, then Paul the host, Hollywood is so cute. Uh, <laughs> but also such a dick sometimes. I know he's a dick, but the God, best of eyes. Both he just has to look at me and that's it. I'm done. Some of the fun things are the host. There's one host and she's this flamboyantly gay woman and she's amazing. And on the Great British Baking Show, um, I can't remember their names, but the the female duo that started mm-hmm. one of their things yes. was if you would start crying, they would go in front of you and they would say all this stuff so that they couldn't put it on TV because they didn't want the people to see you cry. And this host does that. And it, it's just all these weird little Easter eggs of stuff that you've seen in the show, if you like it, which was a lot of fun. And you know how books have readers guides at the end yeah. mm-hmm. with book club questions? You should read this book just for the questions because the questions are hysterical. The questions are, they're not, they ask important things, but like, okay, so screw it. Let's just go for it and ask the real question. That's how one of them starts. (laughs) Just screw it. (laughs) Another question for discussion is, so in chapter five, the daughter, Emily, gets this huge marble run kit from her grandparents with magnets. Did you know that's a real thing? How much do you want one of those? Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> it's like actually number five in the discussion question, which is just so funny. I want, I want to take it to a book club just so I can read out the questions to people. <laughs> So if you need a book club book, this is it. Yeah. Awesome. So, and that again was Rosalind Palmer takes the cake by Alexis Hall. Okay, Pat, you got to follow that up. Well, actually mine ties back kind of to Vani's book. Oh dear. I read a book called Conspiracy of Mothers by Colleen Van Nykirk. And it, uh, it is set in South Africa just before the election that brought an end to apartheid. And also goes back into the about 20 years in the past. One of the things that you have to understand in this book is the the system, the South African system of how they labeled uh, and classified people by race. There were whites, of course, who had all the privileges and and there are blacks are not not anyone of African heritage that blacks had over there were uh, you know, you had to be able to identify as a particular tribe. You had almost exclusively native African heritage. And then coloreds are people of mixed race, including, you know, with and blacks and Indians bundled and funneled into that category as well. But both blacks and coloreds were pretty much devoid of any rights. So the conspiracy of mothers, it's a, an intergenerational story, follows three generations of women. There's Rachel, who is an older, more traditional colored, well, colored in their, within their system of categories woman. Her daughter, Yolanda, was a university student and she is an artist. And her daughter, Ingrid, is, when we meet her, is about 20 years old and about, and going to university and getting ready to start a career. What drives the action of the book is that when Yolanda, the middle one of the three, was in her early 20s, she met Stefan, 
a white man and they had an affair, which was, of course, completely illegal in South Africa. And it was it was not a quick thing. It was like three years. They were genuinely in love. Uh, but his heritage was the kind of white people who were true oppressors. I and mean, his family would have been horrified had they, and when they got wind of it, he had already served in the military. They arranged to have him called up again to get him out. Jeez. Basically, they sent him to an active war front rather than leave him with this colored woman. And what he did not know when he was called away, Yolanda was pregnant. Oh, man. And, yeah, yeah, and we follow that up. And? Hers, yeah, and, and, and then shortly after the baby is born, she is the victim of a gang rape and beating that is just horrific and is perpetrated by members of her own race. She ends up leaving the country and she leaves her daughter, her baby daughter, Ingrid, with her mother, Rachel, to raise. Ingrid is told that her mother died in a car crash, that that both her parents died in a car crash and she has no idea that her father is a white man. And and at the time that this book starts, Ingrid is about 20. Rachel is dying of cancer and she goes off almost like on a dream quest kind of thing off into the mountains, doesn't tell anyone where she's going, but she sends a couple of letters first. One to Yolanda that says, just says, come home. Yolanda is by this time living in America. One to Stefan, actually, she wants to send it to Stefan, but not, it goes to his parents because he's not living at home anymore, Mm. that simply says, she's coming for you or she's coming to find you. And that it's not like, like she's gonna murder you, but she's coming to find you. And then Rachel goes off and disappears. And on this dream quest, has this dream quest in which she kind of is able to help and assist both Yolanda and Ingrid on their paths. Because she also leaves an envelope of Yolanda's artwork and pictures and all these things that will tell Ingrid about her past, who her father really is, what went on. And Ingrid sets off to find Stefan and confront him. And then the the other mother in this conspiracy of mothers is Elsa, who is Stefan's mother and is so opposed to this that when she gets wind of it, she hires a professional killer to kill Ingrid before she can talk to her son. Holy shit, the killer's own granddaughter? Uh Uh-huh. Jesus. And... uh, and it's it's one of those books where you alter alter chapters alternate characters they focus on so you, Rachel Yolanda Ingrid Stefan Kuiper uh, who is the gunman who's hired Elsa and you just see this it's it's you know watching this you know that they're going to come together and there's going to be a blow up but it's it proceeds step by step and the characters are well drawn and well round, believable characters. They're fascinating characters and the history, just the the events, you know, and it's all set against the background of violence and, and threats of violence leading up to the election for uh, to eliminate apartheid because Yolanda's brother is a political activist working against apartheid and so labeled a terrorist by the South African government at that time. Uh, there, there's a lot going on. It's it's not a hugely long book. It's like 340 pages or so, but there's a lot going on in it. And and I have to from the forward. I gotta gotta read a quote because it's just a nice. The story is not 
just about race, but about the culture, that there's more to race than color. There's, you know, there are whole cultures beneath it that have to be taken into account. And so this quote from the foreword is, diversity is not colorful frosting to add to the top of a homogeneous, largely white cake, but is literally born in the bones of every single human being and society. And I, I like that because I think a lot of times we do treat diversity issues like putting a frosting on a cake. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we need a little chocolate. We need a little red velvet. We need a little, yep. you know, something here. Anyway, it's a really, really good book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that is A Conspiracy of Mothers by Colleen Van Nykerk. You guys are making me feel like an asshole for not reading something deep. I know. I, right? I think Pat's trying to take my title away. As <laughs> that was a debut porn. author, too. That's serious trauma porn right there. Ooh. Yeah, this is her first book. And oh, boy, wow. I mean, what a, it came out last year, so it's fairly new. Better get a copy it's, for your shelf, Pat. It sounds <laughs> yeah. intense. If yeah. I wasn't already on hold for another book that you reviewed that I have to read now, <laughs> I would put that one on hold too. I am going to review a book this week called The Cage by Bonnie Kistler. And this is a book that I've always really loved legal thrillers for some reason. I really loved the movie The Firm. And then I went and read the book after the fact too. And, and I loved it. It's not in the same league as The Firm. But this one... I enjoyed for what it is. And that was just a fun read. It wasn't particularly deep, but it did have some interesting, it, I'd never read a book that had this exact group of things in it. And I think that's why I liked it. I liked the novelty of the way this death happened. It starts out where there are two women who work together. One is the HR manager and one is an employee and they get on an elevator at the end of the day and then they get stuck in that elevator together and then by the time they get out of that elevator one of them is dead uh -oh. and the story that the one is still alive tells is that she killed herself and the people that are investigating it don't believe her and so of course the investigation is most of what you, you know, are watching, reading about is the investigation into this and the legal bits, which I like. I like uh, reading about investigations that are, there's a lot of intricate parts that need to fit together in order for them to try to figure out what happened. And it's not necessarily very highly rated on Goodreads, but I think you know how I feel about that. As long as I enjoyed yeah. the book, it doesn't really matter. And it kind of lost a little bit of steam about three quarters of the way through, but then it redeemed itself as far as I'm concerned at the ending, because you're really, you sort of go back and forth. At one point you're like, okay, this, this woman is, is being treated unfairly because they're assuming that she killed this woman because she was in the elevator with her and there was a gun and where did she get the gun? And I mean, it's just the investigation, the whole thing. It was just really super entertaining. I mean, I would watch a movie that was about this because I had never seen or read anything about, I hesitate to call it a locked door mystery because it really wasn't, but it did have some of those elements where there were only two people in that elevator. You know that fact. You, you can see 
the footage when they got onto the elevator and you know what happens when they get off of the elevator. You just don't know exactly why there was the series of events went the way it did. I'm assuming so, there's no footage inside the elevator. No, huh? no. And, th- th- and there was no power. Oh, so mm. it was dark in the elevator when all of this was happening. So there's no way that anybody can say for sure exactly what happened. I think there was a phone in the elevator, um, but that it had run out of battery. Mm. So there was no way to say for sure what exactly happened. And half of the time, nobody believes her. And half of the time, you don't believe her. And that's why it was good, because you have no idea what actually happened for most of the book. You might guess it, but you don't know why. And so I liked it because it was just a fun, it was just fun to read. If you want something a little murdery with an elevator in it, then hop on board The Cage by Bonnie Kistler. Murder and fluff like, usually don't get those together. Murder and fluff. <laughs> well, I mean, some, I was killed by a marshmallow. Some people, <laughs> some people might not consider it fluff, but it, it really wasn't particularly profound. It did have some, you know, some things in it that were, that were interesting. It was a good book, though. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was fun for me to read. But it's you like know my what? idea of nightmare, being in the dark in like an elevator with some other person. Blech. Yeah, just play. yeah, I know, right? I don't even like being in the light with somebody in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> just the idea was a bit claustrophobic, I admit. You kind of get that vibe from the main character as well. She doesn't get on the elevator after that. It takes yeah, her a long her. time to get back on an elevator after that. I think I'd be a stairs person after. <laughs> right? <laughs> I do. Take, nice how many fit. stories up is it? Yeah, there, I mean, it's just very interesting the way the whole story comes together because she ends up you know, being taken in by this really powerful man. And, oh, it's just got all kinds of really cool bits and pieces that all fit together. How long are they in the elevator for? Oh, I don't know. Like a really long time? No, I'm, I want to say like 20 minutes, maybe. Half, Dude, that's half an really hour. short. Like just, <laughs> and you're dead. And to be okay. totally in the dark, though, and stuck in an elevator for 20 minutes. Come on now. You cannot tell me that that time goes so slowly. 20 minutes is a is is an eternity. I don't know exactly how long. I don't know that it would make me go to murder. Well, you know, if it is indeed murder or, you know, yeah, that would be really weird. You know, there's got to be some kind of even if she's committing suicide and you're like and just sitting there listening to it like, ew. yeah, is it? Yeah. If it's so dark, is she like announcing what she and now yeah. I'm going to take the gun out and put it under my chin. Yeah. And yeah, I'm well, just... it's like this. You, I think you hear part of the recording before, you know, on the iPhone or whatever, before the battery goes dead, where you hear her kind of saying, you know, don't, you know, calm down, calm down. You know, that, that kind of thing. I'm um, never getting out of here. I'm taking this yeah, pen and I'm doing it out, all in. You, and you never hear, there's there's just a lot of weird shit around it. You don't know exactly what happened and you don't know why. And she hasn't worked there very long. So you know that it's got to be some, I don't know. 
See, those I, I are thought the good was, kind of books because you can't stop reading. I loved the way it was plotted out because it kept me guessing the whole time. And I was I was second guessing myself. I was like, well, maybe she didn't. Oh, maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she did. And it was sort of like that throughout the whole thing. And, who, you know, who's stake? Who has a stake in this? And why would this happen? And it's just really a I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun book to read. And I know I'm not giving you very much detail on it, and I'm doing that on purpose because when you read a book like this, you don't want too much detail going in. You just want to know, why should I read this book? You don't want to know the whole plot like what I was trying to do? I was like, and then at the end. No, because if you know too much, I mean, it's going to it's gonna spoil it for you. It, I know. Good I mystery know. like that, you just have to dig in. If you like good mysteries, you know, dig in and enjoy it. Because I just need somebody to read my book so that I can talk to them about it. Maybe. You know, if Rachel were here, she'd be texting Martha right now and being like, okay, so how does it end? Yeah, that's exactly what she'd do. <laughs> mm -hmm. She's like, you got to tell me. I'm never going <laughs> to read it. I'm never going to read it. You have to tell me. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very entertaining. I think it would make a great movie. I, I got the visual the whole time I was reading this book. It was very well written and plotted, I thought. It would sound, it sounds a lot like a British movie. Like to have something yeah. like that happen, like at the very beginning. A lot of American movies don't do that. No. They build up to yep. like the shooting in the elevator. A British movie would start right out with that shooting. Yeah, I love it. Uh, for some reason, I love it when they do that. When you got you got mm. the mystery, now you got to figure out what happened. No, I didn't. Ron and I have this, you know, communication that's so good. He doesn't even have to ask me. He can just look at me. He wanted to know if I'd fed the dog. Yeah, I was gonna say it's about the dog. <laughs> it's, it? Yeah, it's it's about time. She's she's an hour past her dinner time already. Oh yeah, I got to give my dog his Valium. <laughs> Oh. Post post seizure, they put him on Valium for a while. Like, he's a happy, mellow dog. Yeah. <laughs> Poor baby. Give him some hugs for me. Yeah, Bonnie. She what? was sitting there texting me while. Yeah, I saw the laughter. <laughs> she was sitting there texting me while Keith was doing her review because she was thinking he... of dirty words she could call call the guy. She she yeah. said, she said you could call him a cunt canoe. <laughs> because <laughs> you said if when we said like twat, twat waffle, waffle or something like you said but in britain you would call him a cunt and i said so call him a cunt canoe we love coming up I with like new, that one we love coming up with new swears that's our favorite sport she texts me at work all the time hey i got a great new swear in my book today it's the small things in life it is the small <laughs> things. way to be fuck weasel <laughs> see i love fuck weasel that is such a it's so that's descriptive it really is all festering. Don't forget festering. 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 Yeah. You know what's not a fuck weasel? What? Those fucking whale dicks. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? I know this is going to sound yeah. totally random. Have you ever seen um, a parade in New Orleans? Those big what the hell kind of parades are you no, going just to? Listen. <laughs> just listen, you know, the way they make those big heads and stuff, they make it out of plaster stuff and it's all this really weird looking oversized stuff, right? Paper mache? No, uh -huh. it's like it's not paper mache. It's almost like, um, what are they, what do they call that? Uh, Whale dick. No, shush. God damn it, Keith. Blubber. Like, <laughs> that's a whole lot of blubber on that head. <laughs> 
them are inflatable, aren't they? No, it's, it's like it's like it would be good if it was inflatable. What? The hats are way all day. Some confused now. What are they called? Well, fiberglass. Okay, fiberglass. Fiberglass stuff. Yeah, it's like this oversized, weird-looking, stylized, weird crap that they that use in those parades. And that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that for some reason. Because it didn't, it did, didn't look right. It looked like it was so, something made up. So you want a fiberglass wheel penis? I was just going to oh, say, no, I don't think that would be comfy for anyone. Oh, no. I don't know. Why do we, why do we never hear the phrase hung like a whale? Yeah, right. <laughs> right? You know, Pat, I think we you're can't onto get with something whales. there. Well, <laughs> speak for yourself, Keith. <laughs> They're mammals. All you need is, you know. Just hold, hold your breath and I think that these whales be... you don't even need to. They're just like, hey, look at my junk. You're showing it off on the top of the ocean. <laughs> Here it is. I gotta air it out a little bit before I go in. Is that sea foam over there? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> now that's some whale song I'd like to really hear, if you know what I mean. <laughs> The Barry White of Whale Song. Moby Dick would have been a lot more interesting if oh, he had used some of that. Oh, <laughs> okay, Keith, I bet somebody wrote a book about Moby's dick. Come on now. Oh, man. Somebody That's a perfect title, too. Somebody yeah. should write oh. that book. You know that that exists. You know it does. <laughs> it's only it's about having an affair with, with a kind of strange singer who... <laughs> I was just going to say... Poor Moby. <laughs> you know, the things I look up on Google, I should be <laughs> more concerned. You I know what? I want to know who took those pictures. I'm sure it had to be sailors. They're like, what the fuck is that? Take a picture of it. <laughs> is that, hey, hey, Earl, come over here. Is that a dick? Well, it said in that little article thing that um, they thought it was like, creatures and monsters until that's they what i'm saying that they thought actually... it was nessie and shit and i'm like Whale i dicks. liked it better so evidently whales according to this article like threesomes and while one is waiting on the other two to be done he just rolls over and puts his dick out the water he has to cool it off he's like i'm getting it all ready for you baby is that like is that like maybe... how whales masturbate Maybe. I mean, if the wind's probably his recovery enough. or maybe they're just exhibitionists or that. Yeah, maybe could be. They're like, oh, hey, those sailors over there. You want to see them freak out? Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> OK, now that's going to do it for three, three book, book girls. girls. Can't get enough of three book girls. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.